Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Father, we pray that today, by the time we're done with your word, we pray first and foremost that we preach it fervently and boldly and courageously and we don't back down from your word and your truth. I pray that today, God, you would fill your sons and daughters in this house with courage and boldness to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, you would fill every heart and every heart would have this holy roar just as we were singing. We would not shy back any longer. I'm asking Holy Spirit today that your kingdom would come upon your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Palm Sunday is a celebration. Um, really, you could say it's the beginning of the inauguration. So he's just getting ready to be inaugurated king. The king has come. It's the inauguration, not yet the consummation, because the consummation will come when he has a second coming. Amen. The consummation is this. I know for a fact there's a day that that sky will rip open and Jesus is coming again. Come on, church. This is what my Bible teaches. There is a coming of Jesus. He's coming again. That will be the consummation. But in this first coming of Jesus, something happens. Jesus gets on the scene and he preaches a message more than any other message. And that message is the kingdom of God. He preaches about the kingdom. And so you walk through the gospels and you'll see it over and over and over and over where he preaches about the kingdom. And I'm telling you, I believe that we're in an age right now for the church where there's a hunger again for the king and his kingdom that's going to stir revival fires again. This is what we're seeing. This is not for the timid, and this is not for the tepid. This is for those who've been filled with the spirit of God. There's a hunger coming again for the kingdom and the king. And as that king and that kingdom hunger burns in your heart and burns in your soul again, revival fires will stir again. This is, Christy and I, we had a chance to go to churches. This was the theme that we were hearing over and over and over. Something feels different. This is what we were hearing. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And so today we're going to talk about that kingdom. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has just come out of the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's been defeating the enemy with the truth of his father. Come on. Satan comes and Jesus says, it is written, the truth of God always dispels the enemy. Come on. The truth of God dispels the enemy. Jesus says, this is what's written. The enemy had to flee. I'm telling you this, the day is coming where the truth, even those who don't like the truth, the truth's going to dispel the enemy. I'm just saying, just stick with the truth. I'm telling you right now, if you've been warring, keep the truth, keep the truth, keep the truth. Don't lose it. So Jesus comes out of the wilderness in Matthew chapter 5, full of truth, full of mercy, full of grace, full of the kingdom. And he has this burning passion for the kingdom of God. So he arrives out of this thing. He's burning with the kingdom of God. He's preaching. He's teaching about the kingdom. He hits the region of Galilee like dynamite. He's preaching, teaching, healing, delivering, setting the captives free because the kingdom of God had come. Amen? And so he's declaring, hey, there may have been a rule and a reign, but that day of that rule and a reign of the enemy is over. Now it's my time. So this is what Jesus is doing in the Gospels. He starts off his sermon in Matthew 5 with the Sermon on the Mount, and he says these words, Blessed are those who are poor in what? Spirit. For theirs is the? 
He declares who gets to lay hold of the kingdom. He declares who gets to take hold of the kingdom. He says the ones who get to take hold of the kingdom are those who are poor in spirit. This is a profound statement. Listen, this is important. He's ushering a new kingdom that's different than the kingdom of the world. He's getting ready to tell everybody, hey, the way my kingdom operates is different than the one you've been walking in. And he says, the way you're going to have entrance into my kingdom is you got to become poor in spirit. Now, now I'm just going to say, like, at the very baseline of being poor in spirit is this identity of going, I have need of him. I, I make a terrible God for myself, right? Poor in spirit's going, I, I rule my heart really ineffectively, amen? Like, I've got some jacked upness, and I make a terrible king of my heart. Right? So he's poor in spirit. He's going, bless those who are poor in the spirit. They recognize I need you. I need you to be king of my heart, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is big. This is big. There's a philosopher who wrote a book called, or, or, or a piece called The Secular Age. And he says this, the West has changed. The West has changed from a culture of authority where we, we, we instead of a culture of authority, we have a culture of authenticity now. Listen to what he says. He says, we used to live by an external authority, like God or, or the Bible or even tradition told us to do. But now most in the West live by what their internal authentic self tells them they should live by. Isn't this what Eve did? She had an authority, but she decided what she saw in her heart was better than what God said. So all of a sudden what we're seeing is Jesus is going to come with a warning with the kingdom. And he says in Luke chapter 21, he says this word about the kingdom of God in verse 34. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Somebody say weighed down. Weighed down, weighed down with dissipation, sexual immorality, giving yourself over to the things of the world, and drunkenness, and here's the key, cares of this life. And that day, he says, watch yourself, because if you got cares of this life, and drunk, it's dissipation, and that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He's going, there, there's something, there's a warning in our hearts in these days ahead, where, where be careful, because there's a kingdom of comfortability, and there's a kingdom of the cares of this life that are vying for control over whose kingdom resides in you. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. There's a kingdom that wants your allegiance that's not Jesus. I'm going to point that out here in just a minute. And, and not only did he wage war against the kingdom of the world, he waged war against the kingdom of a false religion at the time, or not really a false religion, but a religion that was binding people and not setting people free. Let me, let me show what I mean by that. He comes in, and if he didn't stir the pot yet, he's about to stir the pot now. Matthew 23, 13, woe to you teachers of the law. Anytime the Lord says, whoa, you better whoa. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. L listen, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So there, he's going, man, there is a religious spirit that says you better clean yourself up and you better get all your junk right before you come to the Lord. And he goes, I cleaned you up and I made you right. Stop shutting the door in people's faces. So he's coming hard, man. He's warring in this region. It's like, like I said, it's like dynamite. People are like, who is this guy? 
And the kingdom people were sensing it, just like kingdom people are sensing it right now. There is something, there, there is something that we know to Christian. As we went to different churches and different places and hung out with different people, there is something groaning in the hearts of kingdom-minded people right now. Something feels different. Everywhere we went, this was the message over and over and over. Like, there's the kingdom of God. He's coming. The king's getting on his throne of people's hearts. And you can see it and you can sense it and it's everywhere. And it's not like this fear thing. It's like we're putting Jesus as king because we're fearing. Because the book of Acts says we are not people who shrink back in fear. It's a holy roar of going, I finally know who he is and now I know who I am in him. It's like a revelation of identity because we're getting to know the king again. You see, we've loved the kingdom. We didn't really like the kingdom who had a king. Because the king meant that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And now all of a sudden we're loving the kingdom, but more than loving the kingdom, we're loving the king. Amen? Something is stirring in the church right now. I believe this is where scriptures is all of creation is groaning in anticipation for the sons of man to be revealed. The sons of God to be revealed. The sons of God to be revealed. I believe that people are coming into that. Man, I could talk all day about just that one thing. But there is a sense God is moving to his people and, and people are pledging allegiance to him again. Now, how do I know this? Because it's wild out there, amen? Like our culture is wild. He, he, we read it, Carl read it, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage against you? The nations are raging against the kingdom of God right now. In our own nation right now, there is a division. People are like, don't pray anymore. You shouldn't pray. Do something. The Bible says to pray. You got an issue? Pray. Amen. And so we've got this thing again ready to explode in our nation. Well, guess what, man? This is not a time to shrink back in fear. This is a beautiful time for the men and women of God. I'm telling you, this is a beautiful time. This whole, like, the nations are raging against the Lord. And he goes, but my kingdom wins every time. Every time. And so this is a big deal. This, where we're at right now, man, God is doing something with his kingdom inside of his people. If it weren't so, like, he would have checked us out already. Amen? 2,000 years ago, he gathered up the people of faith, said, hey, you guys put your faith in me. Come up with me. But it's not done yet. 2 Peter 3.9, we know it well. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. What does he say? Instead, he is what? He's patient with, everybody say me. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is a stirring in the kingdom of men and women right now because we're not finished with what God wants to do. Listen, he still has promise and hope for this generation. Come on. He's not done with it. There's a move of God on the horizon for a call to creation. Come into the kingdom of his dear son. Do it. You're going to love it. Watch what happens with it. And so Jesus comes, and here's what he does. In all of the Gospels, he gives us a taste of it. He's healing. He's preaching. He's loving people. People are persecuting him. He's loving on them. He's taking people like, that everybody else is wanting to stone. He's lifting up their heads. He's with them. He's giving us a taste of the kingdom that's coming and that's yet already here as well. Amen? How many guys like Sam's? How many guys are Sam's people? Any Sam's people out there? How many of you guys like Costco? Sam's people one more time. You lovers of Jesus. Costco people, the enemy's on the east side, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. You just got to drive. You just got to drive like five hours over there, whatever. 
So, so, so I love Sam's, Christy loves Costco, and for her birthday, she goes, would you get me a Costco card? It's like Mark of the Beast, but okay, right? So we, so, so now we have Sam's card, and we got a Costco card, I feel like we're a house divided. She took me to Costco, I was wandering around like a lost dog, I'm like, I don't know these people. I, I know my Sam's ladies, I don't know these people. My Sam's ladies are these little old ladies who sit there by these carts, and they give me samples. And they say, come here, sweetie. And I come over and they go, made this one special, right? And I put it in my mouth and I'm like, this is amazing. What they're really doing is, and, and I heard a guy say it kind of like this, they're really crack dealers, right? Because that's what they, but it's, it's legal there, right? They're getting you to taste a little bit. They're getting you to taste a little bit so that you do what? So that you buy. So they're going, we'll let you taste because we know if you like it, you'll go get the whole thing. Jesus comes in the Gospels, gives us a taste of the kingdom because he's about to fill us with the whole thing. This is what he does. So he gives us this taste. He goes, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see because I know once you get it, you're coming back. And this is what we do, amen. So Jesus comes, he gives us a taste of the kingdom, and here in just a little bit, he's going to fill us with the fullness of who he is. Ah, this is what the kingdom is. It's a beautiful thing. Just to be clear, I want you to hear it again. That taste is to get you to say, I want the whole thing. Too many people are living on the samples of Sam's and not buying from, the cat, from, from, the, from wherever it is you're supposed to be buying from. We're like, I'm just going to taste all the samples, and I'll be back in an hour, Right? Like, that's how we do. We make our rounds. We change our hats. We change our clothes. Whatever we do, freak, freakos. You can't live on samples alone. Man shall not live. I'm not, oh, no. You can't live on samples alone. You need the whole thing. All right. So I just, I want you to be clear, man. This gospel is about what kingdom lives inside of you. What king sets on the throne of your heart and what kingdom lives inside of you. Amen, church. Let me just tell you, when you go through trials and difficulties in your life, that trial and that difficulty is supposed to reveal what kingdom is coming out of you. Here's how I know that. One of the adventures that Chris and I were able to take when we went to the upper room in Dallas is we were able to take an adventure through a place called Oklahoma City in Dallas, all right? And let me just tell you, the traffic in Oklahoma City in Dallas is a manifestation of an evil spirit. Anybody driven through there recently? nightmare, nightmare, and I'm just telling you right now, like when you're driving through that traffic, it will reveal what kingdom lives inside of you. All of the sudden, I had the word of God, things that I haven't studied for a long time coming out like, I did not come to bring peace but the sword, and I'm like, ah, anger, bitterness, impatience, like, I mean, like, I don't like that person because of this. I mean, all of this stuff was raging out of me, right? And the Lord's going, do you see the kingdom that's still inside of you? Not love, not peace, not patience, not goodness, not gentleness, not self, not self-control. You know, your trials and your tribulations that you go through are revealing what kingdom lives inside of you. This is those things that we walk through and the Lord's going, I want my kingdom to come. When you're squeezed, you've heard the analogy, right? Squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. When you squeeze a believer, the kingdom of God better come out. Or it's revealing something else that's fleshly inside that needs to die. Come on. So let me just give you background real quick of why this is so important. Oh, we've got a lot of work to do. Let me, so, so I, I want to show you where this warfare is coming from. 
where there's warfare. So, so we've got to go back a long time, not to the creation story, before the creation story. At some point in heaven, there was a war. Satan comes, Lucifer at the time, comes to try to betray the Lord by trying to elevate his throne above the Lord's throne or try to elevate his throne to the Lord's throne. And he wanted a bit of the Lord's glory. He wanted to take a bit of the Lord's glory. So he wants to come against God, get his glory. There's a betrayal happening in heaven. There's a war for whose kingdom is going to reside up there. And so here's what we read about. And by war, I mean Satan's trying to overthrow God. But how do you overthrow the alpha, the omega, and the beginning, and the end? You don't. You don't. You're not even close. Here's how scripture records Satan trying to overthrow God's throne. And I saw Satan cast down like lightning. You know what that means? God spiked him. That's what it is. It's fast. It's furious. He cast him down. Bam. Third of the angels that were loyal to, to Lucifer, loyal to Satan, boom, they're cast down. I love that imagery. It wasn't a cataclysmic event. It was the Lord going, ah, done, because that's his authority, amen? That's his power and that's his strength. And so we have to understand this. This is important. This kingdom battle that we're waging right now was from a long time ago where Satan wanted to try to usurp the kingdom of God. So it started a long time ago. It's Satan declaring war on God's kingdom. And let me just tell you, this is long before you ever existed. And yet, his war isn't about you. His war is to try to get God's kingdom out of you. I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. It didn't work with Satan trying to take God's throne. So now Satan's trying to declare war on God's creation. Enter the creation story in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now all of a sudden you got this thing a long time ago in the heavens. Satan is now, it's Adam and Eve, and he's going to declare war on the, the, the children of God. He's going to declare war on God's creation. And here's what he, he wanted to do with deception. He wanted to do two things, really. He wanted, to get Satan, uh, he wanted to get Adam and Eve to rebel and to want autonomy from God. We don't want you. We think we like your knowledge, but we don't want you. We think we're better off without you. So that he wanted them to rebel, get autonomy from God, and live apart from God. Look, because of their sin, what it say? We were separate. Everybody say separated. We were separated from God. Satan got it. He also wanted to redefine in Adam and Eve good and evil based on not God's authority, but whatever their hearts and their head told them. Well, it looks good to the eyes. I know what he said, but it looks good to the eyes. I think I'm going to take it. So he wanted to redefine good and evil, and he wanted to take autonomy away from God. He wanted to say, we want to be who we want to be, right? Sound familiar? Come on, sound familiar? And now we know the deal. They gave themselves over to that. They were given rule and reign. It said they were given dominion over the earth. Adam and Eve were given dominion over the earth, ruling it, reigning over it. They were given the authority of God, but through an act of disobedience, they gave the authority of that rule and reign to the enemy. Okay? So now, right now, something is happening. Right? So right now, Satan's declaring war on the kingdom of God. Adam and Eve, give it to him. Now, here's the crazy thing. There's a prophecy. Ah, there's a prophecy in the curse. It's beautiful. So... Serpent gets cursed, Adam gets cursed, woman gets cursed, but there's a prophecy in the curse that says, hey, there's going to be a seed of Eve that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, God's authority will not be usurped, amen? Come on. So, so here's how John 12, 31 describes Satan. He says, now, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Come on. What's he call him? 
ruler of this world. And then Jesus says, when I am lifted up in the earth, I'll draw all people to myself. It's an indication Satan had an authority. We need to know that. There's a war right now where Satan carried a little bit of authority. Now listen to this. Now we've got this heavenly battle, we've got this first creation battle, and now there's a war on you and I's hearts. There's a war against us. There's a war. Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, raises on the third day, gives his Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, inside of us, and now Satan goes, I have to destroy them. Like, I have to take them out. Let me, just, let me just set this up for you so you understand this. When Jesus paid the price and he bought you with his blood, it says that he transferred you in to another kingdom. L look, Colossians 1. Everybody should memorize Colossians 1.13. Everybody. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued. Somebody say rescued. Us from the dominion, the rulership, the authority, the power. He took, he took us from the power, the authority, and the rulership, the dominion of darkness, and that's Satan. He took us from that, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Come on. Listen, listen. In whom we have what? Redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Now, if I buy something, it belongs to me. You don't get to tell me how to use it. You don't get to tell me what to do with it. You don't get to tell me when I can use it. When it's mine, it's mine. Look what he says. He bought us with his blood. What did he bought us, buy us from? Ephesians 2.1. Amen. Ephesians 2.1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Look, look. In which you used to live. Say, I used to live. Say it again. I used to live. In which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Whoo, there was a day you and I were bound by the things of this world and by the kingdom of the ruler of the air. That's Satan. There was a time where I was underneath that dominion and that authority. But look what he says. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. So that's where I was, but I was bought with a price. That's not where I am any longer. I was there, now I'm not. Somebody say, I was there, now I'm not. Now I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. I want you to hear this. I want you to know where you're at. I want you to know from what place you have authority. This is important. So Jesus buys us back. This is the language of scripture. Why is all of this important? Because we need to be able to see now the gospel through the lens of a king and a kingdom. Not the lens of the world and not the lens of myself. We're really good about reading scripture through the lens of myself. Where am I at in this story and how does it benefit me? Okay? That's not the gospel. The gospel is about the king and the kingdom inside of you. Amen? So now all of a sudden I'm looking at the gospel through the lens of the kingdom and all of a sudden I'm starting to understand things a little bit more. Let me just give you one more wild, wild deal that I love so much. In Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus has been crucified, Jesus is dead, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose on the third day, he ascended to heaven. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 it says, therefore when he ascended on high, Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives free and he gave gifts to them. Gifts to men. You know what this means? When Jesus ascended, look what he says. Let me read this. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended above, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. This is the way I picture that thing going down. Jesus dies. There's a whole host of captives that don't know him. Moses, Noah, righteous men in the sight of God, right? Because of their faith. And he's leading them out 
of captivity in a coronation in the throne room of heaven in front of Satan who's going, uh, well, I, I, thought I, I thought those were mine. I thought I, I thought I got those. And he goes, you've lost your sting of death over them. You've lost your power and your authority over them. They were sprinkled by my blood, and I have set them free. Come on, church. This is the kingdom of God that lives inside of you. This is it. Can you imagine his dismay of seeing the captives set free in a coronation of his kingship? And he says, oh, death, where is your sting now? It's a big deal. Oh, I'm getting lightheaded, but it is a big deal now. This is what the plundering of the enemy's camp looks like. This is why it's such a big deal to us. Palm Sunday is the inauguration, the slap in the face to the enemy that not only was the battle lost in the heavens, but he lost the battle on the earth now as well. It's a big deal. The accuser of the brothers has been thrown down. Revelation 12, the accuser of the brothers who accuses them day and night, day and night, has been thrown down. Not only has God now spiked the enemy, we've spiked the enemy. Amen. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He set me free. Ah, now we've got a kingdom eyesight. We're reading scripture through a kingdom lens with a king on a throne that's not me. Now I read scripture that says our battle's not against what? Flesh and blood. My battle's not against Carl. My battle's not against Christy. My, my battle's not against Glenn. My battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and principalities of this dark world. This is a big deal because now when we're kingdom people and we're roaring in a world that's roaring back, right, raging back, we're not hating people, but there is a spiritual thing inside that's trying to get them to come against the kingdom inside of me and you. This is it. So I'm going to love that person. This is why Jesus is going, I can love that person who persecutes me. I can bless the one who curses me. Because it's not the person, it's the spirit inside that's trying to wage war against the kingdom inside of me. And I can promise you the kingdom inside of me will beat the spirit inside of them every single time. When I bless them and not curse them, and I love them and not hate them. When I unify and not become divisive, amen? Because that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. And so what we see is we're reading scripture now and we're realizing this realization of how Jesus lived his life. And it says he gives us weapons to fight, but not weapons of the world, weapons that have divine, divine power. Look what he says, that war against every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Notice the enemy isn't trying to come against you. The enemy's trying to come against the knowledge of God in you. He doesn't care about you. He cares about the kingdom in you. The enemy wants to destroy the kingdom in you. Over and over and over, he's warring against the kingdom of God in you. This is the warfare. Not how do I destroy Carl. The, the, the enemy's going, not how do, I destroy, how do I destroy the kingdom inside of Carl. That's his ultimate goal. I want, what to, I want what, something to come out of Carl that's not of Jesus. That's my ultimate goal. That's the enemy's ultimate goal. I want to destroy the kingdom. Inside of him. Where are we at? Okay, praise the Lord. So here's what he says. He puts his kingdom inside of us. And then you, you see this upper room discourse in John, John 17. We talk about this all the time about unity. And he says, I have, Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. There, there's war. Come on. There's war. If you think, hey, listen, if your goal is to be the most popular, liked, and loved, and cool person on planet Earth, you're going to be royally disappointed in the kingdom of God. 
Because it's not about being popular in this world. It's being popular in heaven with him. Amen? It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. Like, I, I think about, like, Paul, when, 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 when these guys were coming against a demonic spirit in, in the book of Acts, and all of a sudden this demonic spirit jumped these guys or whatever. You had to read it. And, and it says this, Jesus we know and Paul we know. And I'm like, I want to be known. I want to be known in the enemy's in the enemy's house, I want to be known as somebody who's living out the kingdom of God. Amen? Anyways, side, totally, I don't even have that in here. Here we go. He says, I do not ask, verse 15, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Word, world, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Look, look at verse 18. 18 is the key. He's about to tell you what your mandate still is. Why has he not taken you out yet? Why not, has he not brought us to heaven yet? Why has he not established these things yet? Look what he says. As you sent me, he, he, he's given you your purpose today. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He's, look, if you're like, I don't know what my destiny is, I don't know what my purpose is, your purpose is to live like Jesus on planet earth. Your purpose is to shine like him. Your purpose is to make sure that you make straight the paths where people see the king of kings, amen? That's your destiny. You don't have to chase another destiny. This is your destiny, to be like Jesus so that the world will glorify his name. Come on. This is why Pilate comes to him and he says, so are you the king of the Jews? He says, my kingdom's not of this world. Your kingdom's out of this world. No, my kingdom's in each one of them. This is where I'm establishing my kingdom. This world's going to fade away. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but what stands forever? The word of the Lord, his kingdom stands forever. I'm not worried about this world. I want to make sure that my kingdom is established in them. And this is why all of hell is waging war against you right now. To kill the kingdom of God inside of you. Why? Because the kingdom of God will transform this world by the light and by being that city on a hill, they're going to see Jesus inside of each one of you. Isn't that what he says? He says, shine bright like stars. Be that light. Be that city on a hill. Why? So that men will see God inside of you and glorify your Father through the works that you do. It's crazy, church. It's crazy. And we got to get this message out. Jesus is taking back the things where the enemy thinks he's got a foothold. Jesus is taking it back. I'm just saying, come on. Ah. I don't even know time. Yes, amen. So he's running through scripture. If you just run through scripture, spirits poured out, New Testament, book of Acts, the kingdom reality begins. How many of you guys have read the book of Acts? Who's read the book of Acts? Crazy stuff, right? Like crazy stuff. Radical unity and healings and, and, and beautiful gospel message preached to thousands that are coming to Christ and giving their life to Jesus. Do you really think that he gives us the book of Acts so that we can talk about the first church as a teaser of something that will never happen to us? Do you think that he gives us the book of Acts to go, hey, read it. It's really, really good. It will never be for you. No, he gives us the book of Acts so that when we read it, we go, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is kingdom reality. This is the way he wants it because this is his kingdom. He gave us acts so we can see what happens when the kingdom of God comes upon you. You turn the world upside down. You threaten the status quo. You get people that don't like you, but you also preach the gospel message that sets hearts free in Jesus. Sets the captives free, shows the power of God at work where thousands of lives can be changed for decades and decades because they came to know the hope and love of Jesus Christ. 
Christian historian I was reading this book I'm reading he wrote a book called The Destroyer of the Gods it talks about how the early church this tiny little sect of Jew, Jesus followers right Jews and Gentiles this tiny little sect of Jesus followers overcomes like the epicenter of hedonism and paganism in the Roman culture the epicenter of the power of the Roman Empire just in a few centuries and here's what he said he said it wasn't the church's relevance or relatability to the culture, but its difference and distinctness that made it compelling to so many. Can I tell you, for 22 years of ministry, I sat around strategic meetings for church planning and church life and strategic staff meetings where we sat down and we used these two words. How do we become more relevant and relatable to culture? We planned how to do it with services. We were like, how do we become more relevant and relatable so that people can relate with us in the culture? They can't. They can't. Because the kingdom culture is different than Satan's culture. The kingdom culture of God is different than the world's culture. Look what he says. We've sat around and talked about how can the church, I'm telling you, this is the buzzword in Christian church today. we got to be relevant and relatable. No, we've got to be different and distinct so that the darkness as it increases goes, we want what you have. We want the hope that you carry, the love. Why are you so peaceful? Why when I cursed at you, do you bless me? Oh, it drives me crazy. I want it. Eventually Rome would join them. Eventually Rome would join them. Here's the problem. Once Rome joined them, they institutionalized it. They tamed it. They tamed it. In America, we don't institutionalize it. We make it a business. We make church a business. Called out people is a business now in America. We're going to have our business churches. We're going to do business things in our business churches, man. Let me just tell you, that is not the way God set up his kingdom. It was supposed to be a roar inside of people going, ah. Oh, when you see what the Lord is doing inside of me, when you see the way he's redeemed me and saved me and set me free, the way that he has released the things that I carry, the junk, whatever, and he set me free with his love, I'm telling you, why in the world would I hold that in? And yet here's the crazy thing in the American church. We're settling for Dutch Brothers coffee and a bagel watching Yellowstone going, how could life get any better than this? It gets better! It gets better! The fullness of God. Yeah, some of the bagels are good. The fullness of God lives inside of you. The, full, the fullness of the Father lives in you. The kingdom of God lives inside of you. Dutch Brothers Bagel and Yellowstone, don't care if you watch it or eat it or drink it, doesn't matter. It will never satisfy. It wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to. got a war brewing in our hearts we've got a war brewing in our hearts man I typically come with about five pages I brought ten today but don't don't worry I'm we're I'm just Holy Spirit speaking we're moving on we're moving okay I got to read this so I got to go here I got to go here the enemy the enemy Dan Moeller shared a word that I listened to he says the, the, the enemy, the enemy is not afraid of Aaron. He's afraid of who lives inside of Aaron. Why? Because greater is what? Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. He didn't say greater is me. Greater is he, the king, 
The king is greater. Ah. Oh, okay. Matthew 16, 19. Peter confesses Jesus. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the king. You're the Messiah, the king, the son of the living God. Jesus says, on this confession, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Then he says these words, I will give you the keys to the what? Kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Church, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, every time we walk in the love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and gentleness, every time we walk in the servant mentality in Jesus' name, we are releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Every time. The enemy hates it. It's why he wants you to be frustrated and disjointed. It's why he wants you to be angry and bitter and grumbling. And some of us have given ourselves over to that. Some of us have given ourselves over to hatred and grumbling and, and being all wonky and like, oh, that person, I'm going to hold that in. That is not the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm telling you, listen, just hear my heart. If you've been wounded, I get it. You've been wounded. But if you want to be set free from the wound, start realizing that you're going to walk in the kingdom of heaven, which is forgiveness and love and mercy and gentleness and whatever. And as you walk in that, all of a sudden, you're going to feel something different. You're going to feel a kingdom of God has come over you and not the kingdom of this world. Okay. raise your palm branch now's the time if your neighbor is sleeping give him a little love tap Pop. so there were many who came to Jesus when he came in in his triumphal entry and they came to him because of what he had did they didn't know if he was king yet but they came and this palm branch was a sign this palm branch was a sign that the king is coming and that they were going to lay it down before him as an act of surrender. So, so for them to go meet Jesus, this was a sign of victory and the king coming in, the true ruler. This was a slap in the face to King Herod. This was a slap in the face to Caesar. This was a slap in the face to the kings of the world and to the king of the ruler of the earth at the time, which was Satan. This was a slap in the face going, I make a terrible king, you make a great king. And they laid their palm branches down. Let me tell you how this act reversed the curse. In the Old Testament, the people of God cried out and they said what? God, give us a king so that we can be like every other nation. And the Lord says, but I'm their king. Give us a king so that we can be like every other nation. This is where Jesus is reversing the curse. They don't want Herod anymore. They don't want Caesar anymore. They don't want a king who's wicked anymore. They want the true king who carries truth and righteousness and the kingdom of God. And so this was laying down their kingdom and saying, I want your kingdom. So here in just a minute, you're gonna bring your palm branches up and you're gonna lay down your kingdom. Whatever that kingdom is, whatever wonkiness you've been carrying, you're gonna say, I don't want the kingdom of the world. I don't want the kingdom of, of the earth. I don't want the kingdom of the enemy. I want your kingdom. And then up here, there's communion on these two, on these two benches right here. You're gonna take up the kingdom of God. You're gonna lay down the kingdom of this world and you're gonna take up the kingdom of God. Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection brought the kingdom of God, amen. 
His body broken and his blood poured out brought the kingdom of God. When you break the body and you drink the juice, you're proclaiming his kingdom has come. All authority has been given to him. And then he says, and now all the fullness of me is going to dwell inside of you. And so today, somebody needed to lay down a kingdom you've been carrying that's not of God. Somebody needs to lay down a kingdom of selfishness, a kingdom of hatred, a kingdom of anger, a kingdom of bitterness, a kingdom of greed. Somebody needs to lay down a kingdom of not letting go, allowing forgiveness to not flow in your life. Lay down that kingdom and take up the kingdom of Jesus. Father, we pray this morning, would you do a work in this house? on this Palm Sunday 2023 at your inauguration of your kingship where you become the king of our hearts again. We don't want to cry out, give us a king. We want you. We don't want to chase after other kingdoms. We want yours. We want yours. We want yours. The days are coming. The church is going to rise up in the kingship of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And I pray they are upon us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.